Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Foxcatcher, directed by Bennett Miller and released in 2014. The plot, such as it is, goes something like this. Based on the true story of the relationship between Olympic wrestlers Dave and Mark Schultz and their sinister wealthy patron, John DuPont. I've just realised that that's not a plot. <laughs> no, that's, that's just sort of a description, I guess. But that it was also is... weird because John DuPont didn't seem particularly sinister to me for a really long time. I didn't know the true story behind this. And I just thought he was kind of odd like mm. and awkward, like this whole movie. I think that's what you're meant to think. Um, but there isn't really much of a plot. It's just a story of these guys who are Olympic wrestlers who this wealthy guy offers them space to train at. Yeah, and then one of them's like, okay, and the other one's like, no. And then the one that goes is Channing Tatum, and he gets lured into some sort of weird not-sexual relationship with John DuPont, and then he gets frosted tips, and then he gets slapped, and then he gets cranky. Yeah, uh, all without (laughs) saying more than maybe 50 words of dialogue. He is um, very, very quiet, and his knees don't seem to operate as they should. No, or his hips. he sticks his jaw out the whole time. Okay. No. Let's get so, started yeah, with I think it's one of my major problems with this You movie. really hated it. I disliked it intensely. I I haven't been to I haven't seen a movie in the more than a year that I hated this much. Um but okay, <laughs> strap yourselves in kids. Let's get started with the performances in this movie because they are the ones that are Oscar nominated and they are the ones that I am most they are the thing that I'm most baffled by. Um how how did these get nominated? Okay, how? Steve Carell seems to be doing like a Saturday Night Live style impression of John DuPont where they put on a really bad fake nose and some dentures and he just sort of goes to town. I thought it was a joke. It seemed like it was. And then earlier today, I wasted several minutes of my life watching a video of real John DuPont and he looks like he's doing a Saturday Night Live impression and trying to make it and is a big joke as well. So it could either be a really accurate portrayal or like a really accurate parody. It certainly sounds like a parody, especially when at least in, in the movie. And I think going into the movie knowing nothing about it is quite normal because I knew nothing about this at all. Who knows anything about wrestling? Wrestling is like a really obscure sport that nobody understands. And a really inherently funny sport. They look stupid. They are wearing like unitards and rolling around on the ground like toddlers who are fighting over a toy. I don't understand it, and I don't understand it any better after watching an entire movie about this it. This is one the of my The point of a sports problems, movie yeah. is to let you know what the sport is and why it's a good sport, and this didn't do that at all. I still don't know what wrestling is apart from looking dumb. It looks dumb. It looks funny and silly and Dumb. It looks really silly. It feels really awkward as well because, like, you start off and Mark Ruffalo and Channing Tatum are training and it looks like they're having a little slap fight. I know. Like and then he breaks his nose. Yeah. Oh, and, and, but the thing is, <laughs> the, a good sports movie nose? will te- take you into the sport even if you're not a fan. Like, this is a guy who directed the movie Moneyball, which I haven't seen, but a lot of people who don't seen it. like baseball – come out of Moneyball saying it's still a really good movie even if you didn't know anything about baseball before you saw it. 
Yeah, I enjoyed Moneyball yeah. more than this. But then again, I enjoyed getting a filling without any painkillers more than I enjoyed watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't do anything to tell you about why the sport was cool and why these guys loved the sport. No, nothing. Like, I know nothing about Greco-Roman wrestling. I'd suggest... I, I wager most of your audience doesn't know much about Greco-Roman wrestling other than it's the weird sport at the Olympics where grown men gra- grope each other. And it's that, I, so And weird. explains nothing about, like, I remember watching um, Million Dollar Baby, another sports movie, and I was not a boxing fan at all. But when you watch that movie, you gain a real appreciation for the sport of boxing and why this girl wants to be a boxer. You get a, a real appreciation for her athleticism, for the skills in, involved in doing well at the sport, and you sort of understand why she wants to keep going with it and why she loves it so much. I have nothing from these guys. And Channing Tatum's character. What character? Is so, he doesn't say anything, which would be fine, but we have to spend a lot of time with him. And it's a lot of time where he's doing really boring stuff. Like we sit with him while he's in his apartment eating cereal. And then in the next scene, he's eating something else. And it's just a long scene of him in the apartment eating cereal, watching TV. He sits on it. This is a bit where he sits on his couch. diegetic sound. He sits on his couch and he plays his Game Boy for like two minutes of real time. Maybe not two minutes. It just felt interminable. I've never looked at my watch so much during a film. (laughs) There's no music to accompany these scenes. There's nothing to listen to apart from Channing Tatum chewing. It's so dull. And the thing is, I knew I was in trouble within five minutes of this movie opening because I already wanted to walk out. Like, in five minutes, I hated it. Yeah. the thing is, like, it never even it never gets any more interesting or better. Okay, so like, we're obviously going to talk about spoilers in this movie. So the big thing that happens, the thing that everybody apparently knows about, I, I'm guessing this is like people in America probably know this because of John Dupont's wealth, mm. but like John Dupont kills Dave Schultz. Yeah. Right now, if you're going to write a movie, make a movie about a murder a really well-known murder that is fairly famous that people know about, you would think that you might try and infer some sort of motive or some sort of like connection between them, build that up a bit, try and figure out what's going on. Nothing, nothing about that is in this movie. There's no indication that DuPont even particularly dislikes Dave Schultz. Like, they don't get on very well, but there's nothing to indicate that he's going to shoot him in his driveway. And the stuff that we're watching in this movie happened eight years before the guy shoots him in his driveway. There's an eight-year gap between the last time we see Mark and when John DuPont shoots Dave. We don't know that in the movie. We don't know anything in the movie because it doesn't build to anything or from anything. There's like a 20-minute section in the middle where there's actual character motivations and there's some sort of plot. The motivation to the murder, it seems, from the movie, is actually the bit where you went to the toilet, which is the bit where Dave Schultz has to appear on this crappy documentary that John DuPont um, has made about himself, which is what I watched just before, um, the real life sort of equivalent of that. He has this terrible documentary made about himself, and the documentary maker interviews Dave as a sort of head coach down in the um, assistant. He's called the assistant coach because DuPont reckons he's the head coach because he's clearly crazy. But you, it, he interviews him down in the wrestling room, <laughs> gym, I guess, and he's sitting there and um, 
and the documentary maker asks really leading questions like, can you talk a little bit about how Mr. DuPont has been your mentor and guide in this in coaching these wrestlers and what you've learned about the sport of wrestling from him. And Mark Ruffalo put on the spot is like, oh, um, John DuPont has been a great mentor to me. And that's all he can say. And he looks really awkward. And that's sort of flimsily the motivation for him it's ending up getting shot. I know. I know. But that's what it looks like in the movie. That's the only, only thing I could think of. Where things go, and the, perhaps earlier on, where it's Dave doesn't want to come out to Foxcatcher because he's got his family and he's settled, and he doesn't want to have to uproot them and move across the country. And eventually, he turns up, and the implication is that Dupont has just, you know, thrown money at him until he moves. Yeah, but then Dupont gets what he wants. So why would he kill him? Like this is, and then in the documentary, if he says he was a good mentor, he gets what he wants. So why would he kill him? It's not it's because like, he's very unconvincing. Only- yeah, but so? But the thing is, like, the only sort of reason that I got from the movie was that John DuPont was in love with Channing Tatum and he wanted the big brother there, but once the big brother was there, the big brother took Channing away from him and then he was sad. Pretty much. But, like, that's not what it says in the Wikipedia plot summary. The Wikipedia plot summary is like, oh, he's baffled by by uh, Dave's devotion to his kids. I was like, when? When does that happen? This is not something that no, happens there's in There's one this movie. scene where he comes to – Dave is playing with his kids in the yard and he comes – DuPont comes over and he wants something and Dave's like, no, it's Sunday. It's family time. Can we do this tomorrow? Yeah, but that's not – like, like, DuPont doesn't react to it. <laughs> no, this is the thing. Is the that time. There's no, no reactions to anything. Well, clearly, that's so the reaction. So, you don't see any – that happens eight years later. That's kind of a delayed reaction. I don't think it's meant to be eight years later in the movie. I think from the movie makes it look like it happened, you know, two months later, three months later. <sighs> After the Seoul Olympics. See, I actually had to look it up afterwards because I still didn't know what had happened. I couldn't figure it out. From watching it, I couldn't figure out what had happened. And I just, I alternated between like laughing and wanting to cry because it was so terrible. It was badly written too. Like things come out of nowhere at you for no reason. Well, there's, there's so much bad like storytelling where you really do just sit around and watch him eat cereal. Like that is there is nothing interesting about that. If you're gonna have some, your character sit around and play his Game Boy, like at least have a reason for showing us him doing that. Well I think it was or, just trying to establish that his life is boring. Yeah, but I mean but, we were like, yeah, we know his but life you don't is boring. Need to do it over and over again. And it was and it was over and over again. Like the moving scene goes on too long and shows really stupid stuff like him hauling his mattress down the stairs and doing this and doing that. And like it just kind of it lingers on too long on everything, even even the start. Like we don't get thrown into the story and and hooked at all. We just start this story and it's very slow and it's very sleepy and there's not much dialogue and and the dialogue that is there is boring. Terrible. I genuinely thought that Mark Schultz was disabled for the first half hour of this movie. I was like, oh, this is about a mentally disabled person mm. who everybody is trying to kind of look out for and stuff. No, that's I was, not yeah. the case. He's, yeah, he's, he does seem like he's just not got any brains at all. And in fact, it's delightful when he starts taking cocaine because then it means he speaks at a normal pace. 
But oh, the, oh, the cake, the cocaine scene. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. They're in a helicopter, and Mark Schultz <laughs> is preparing for a speech. And Aww. in preparing for the speech, there's a couple of words he can't get right. So John Dupont just repeats them until they become meaningless over and over and over again. And then he's like, "Hey, you want some coke?" <laughs> it, it's so out of nowhere. It's so out of nowhere. Like, there's no reason for this to be happening, and suddenly it is, and he's doing coke, and he's getting frosted tips from nowhere, and then he just shaves them off again five minutes later. Well, see, I thought that was kind of the thing, though, that Mark is not very bright, and that's why Dave needs to come and rescue him later on, because he's really not very bright, he's really easily led, um, and, and John DuPont is... See, as a viewer, you see John Dupont is really kind of stupid. Like he wrote this really, really clunky God, speech he's stupid. for the this wrestler. That if you know, if he had any brains at all, you wouldn't have him writing a speech like that. But he's written this speech, and he he's one of these people who's not very bright, but thinks they're really smart. You know, at the beginning of the and movie, has the when- power to enforce their stupidity on everybody. You know, at the beginning of the movie, when Mark meets John Dupont for the first time, and there's that terrible scene where they first meet, and it's awful and the camera lingers on Steve Carell like he's giving the greatest performance of all time while he just sits there awkwardly mannerisming but anyway in that scene there's a moment where he go- where John DuPont goes I'm a patriot and an ornithologist and I'm like what what are you talking about my friends about? called me eagle and it, it just the whole cinema cracked up at that like, it really does feel like it's a joke they're playing on us. Well, but that, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it is. It's like the, well, I think if there is a moral to the story, and I obviously view it slightly more kindly than you do as some kind of hipster indulgence, but if there is a moral to the story, it's that if you're stupid, no matter, if you're really stupid and sociopathic and weird, if you're really, really rich, that can, that's a dangerous combination. Like, it's, a, it's about the dangers of stupidity, like, Mark Schultz and whatnot, but also the dangers of stupidity combined with wealth and power and just indulgence. But the thing is that there's no real sort of, like, it doesn't explore that in any interesting ways. You know what I mean? Like, we already know he's dumb and rich. It doesn't really go into that in any way. But it's because, but it's it's the danger of it all. Like, every single point, there's no point along the way it, between from when Mark flies out to Foxcatcher to meet this guy, that you don't think this is really really bad idea. Like any sane See, person just thinking would have this been is a like really really bad movie. Any sane person in that situation would have been like, this guy, no, this guy is weird. He's tr- and he also has the sort of he's like trying to sell. He, he's able to sell Mark on his stupid ideas about. Well, yeah, Mark is, is he's leadable. really dumb and really easily led, and he comes back and he's like going on about these ideas that he's heard of from DuPont and they don't they they have but then no. they get in one fight and he hits him once and then they're suddenly like that that sort of completely changes his mind which I thought it I thought it would be more than that like I I just feel like that section should have been most of the movie you know that section where he starts because he drops the cocaine bomb like out of nowhere but that starts the actual story 
that is contained within this movie, right? Yeah. Oh, so there they, is yes, a story sh- in this yes, movie, but yes. it goes for 20 minutes. It's when he drops the cocaine bomb, mm. and then that's when you get the slow decline of Channing Tatum. There's no slow decline of Channing Tatum. It's a five-minute decline of Channing Tatum. And they get one like scene a petulant together, teenager for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and they get this one like behind the candelabra-y scene where they're like super flirty, and then he, um, John Dupont gets in a fight with his mother, Vanessa Redgrave. And, um, but it seems even to be the, and Vanessa Redgrave is like, that is a fucking weird scene too. She's kind of, she's, her character seems to be the only character of the, any of these people who has any kind of sense. Like she is weird and rich and a snob, but she at least seems to be able to keep John Dupont in line, in some kind of line. Like he spends his whole life trying to impress her. And like she, she seems to be one of these awful, you know, unpleasable society women. But I actually liked her because I was like, she's actually got some sense. She actually sees through her son's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, and, and then she's probably the only person who can stand she, up to him. Yeah. But she does it in and such terrible ways. Yeah, she, in this horrible, passive aggressive way. And um, she, and, and it's only after she dies that he fully goes off the rails. Well, that's and what that's I was going to say. Shoots. That's where the story part is, mm. right? So like he has this argument, and his mother with his mother and then he's like I have to have Dave Schultz here I have to get him out here I don't see how that connects but that's okay he decides he has to get him out here he's talking to Channing Tatum he's like why did you give these guys the morning off which they're watching wrestling I mean they're still working but whatever he's like oh I gave them the morning off because they've been working hard we're going to train this afternoon he goes how did you make that decision I want your brother here and Channing's like you can't buy my brother and then he slaps him in front of all the like DuPont slaps Mark in front of everybody then that's a reaction to the like the mother being controlling. So yes. every time she's but, controlling, but he is, wants to go see- out and assert his authority over everybody else and make their lives miserable. Yeah, but I don't see the link between that and Dave. Like, it oh, seems Dave like Dave is, is something- just ex- inserted into the story whenever they need something to happen. But they c- clearly want, yeah, in in the real story, Dave and, and Mark were never there at the same time. But anyway, but they mentioned in Dave earlier as like, it's clear that he doesn't want to come out. Like, yeah. we have a couple of scenes that show us that. And it's another one of those... John DuPont gets what he wants things. But you don't know how he gets what he wants ever. Like, they should have had the scene where DuPont talks Dave into coming or something. They don't give you anything. So they have that scene, and then Dave is there. He's just there. And then he goes to try and talk to Mark, and Mark is a pouty, whiny baby, and, like, there's a bit of that for a while. And that, I mean... But this is still a plot that I can understand, <laughs> like where I can understand where what is going on with Mark, even though it's really too abrupt and silly. Well, I can understand what's happening. He goes into the decline. He gets slapped. He's really angry. He's trying to do everything by himself and he can't. And then he goes to the worlds and he's not good enough and he fails. And then he has a giant, massive tantrum where he punches himself and punches everything and bashes his head into oh, a wall that bit. and eats oh all the God. food in the apartment right and then and that's the bit that we went for because Channing Tatum broke the wall with his head and we talked about that during the Nightcrawler review and then therefore we went along to Foxcatcher so that he has the massive tantrum and then uh, uh, Dave comes breaks the door down I thought that was a bit sweet Um, breaks the door down and like you know he Help. takes care of Mark and this is where we get to the sport movie where he's got to he has to throw up and get detox him and he's got to make weight in like he has to lose 12 pounds in 90 minutes if you could lose 12 pounds in 90 minutes like somebody would have made money out of that if that were a real thing that were possible 
people would have done that. You cannot lose 12 pounds, which is like five or six kilos in 90 minutes. That, that is doesn't matter. Ridiculous. It's a anyway, movie. But that's the sports movie bit of it. He's like, he's got to make weight and his bro- he needs his brother to help him get there. And he does. He makes weight and he wins. Yeah. But, okay, so in that bit, there's a bit where John DuPont comes to want to talk to Mark and Dave won't let him see him. Yeah, he and right? Dave have a bit of a, a – Dave, yes. So, like – there's a movie in there, and then at the world's, John's mother dies, and he's not there for for Mark's big heroic moment, right? Yep. So all of that bit there is a movie. That's a movie. Yep. You understand what's happening. There's a sports element to it. There's a overcoming the odds element to it. It makes sense. Then it completely goes off the rails again because then Mark just leaves, mm. and Dave and Dupont barely interact, and then Dupont shoots Dave. And there's no, like, reasoning and there's no kind of – there's no point to any of that. There's no build. There's no intensity. There's no interest. That they're, they're not trying to make us interested in this movie. They're not trying to make us interested in what's happening to these people. I couldn't care less by the time Dave got shot. I was really more concerned that he was going to go up and shoot the kids or Sienna Miller or something. Like, I was genuinely worried that that was what was going to happen, that he would shoot – the mm. children. I didn't care about Dave getting shot that much. And he was the most likable out of the three of them. But the thing is, all of the performances are so cartoonish and over the top and silly. Even Mark Ruffalo's, even though it's better than the other two, it's still like awkward well, and Mark and Ruffalo's mannered. is probably better in comparison just because he's the most human of the three. Yeah. Like, he, he's the one you like. But I think there's – see, I'm starting to think because you were talking about yeah, you don't often see – the motive or you don't see what happens in between. You don't see DuPont getting, you know, talking Dave into coming out by throwing heaps of money at him and stuff. But I think it's it's also perhaps what it fe- – it's it's more about what it feels like to be um, in the – I don't, can't remember the word. It's like he's been glamoured by this wealthy person. Um, it, but to be like in the employ and reliant on the patronage of a rich person is that Something will happen that you and something you will not want something to happen, or you will have expressed your displeasure, or you'll set a boundary. But because that person is so powerful and so wealthy, they will just bulldoze right through it. And that's what happens with, I think, with the you know, you need Dave here. I'm, I want Dave here. I'm going to make it happen. And that's what it felt like from Mark's, Mark's perspective. Now, Mark was involved in the movie, so I have this feeling that. It, it, you're, we're coming at this from this story from the perspective of this slightly naive person who isn't good at reading people and how he saw it. So he probably well, didn't okay, see a lot of the we get- Dave stuff, but he might have seen like he might have heard Dave say, "Oh, you know, it was Sunday and I was playing with the kids." And Dupont is just like he's relentless. He just comes and he wants things, and I told him no. And then some next thing, Dave is dead. Like that's there's a possibility that we're viewing it from that perspective. Well, okay, then can we get him reacting to things? Right? If like, only. can we get him reacting to these things happening? Because then it would be from his perspective. Why did this happen? I don't understand what's happening. We don't get that. And, like, if you're talking about that, that's that's the fault of Bennett Miller and the writers, one of whom is Dan Futterman, who I like. Mm. But, like, 
that's their fault that that doesn't come across, you know, like it, as much as Channing Tatum's, it's their fault that they don't focus on if, if it is about how Mark feels, we need to know how Mark feels. And there's none of that either. Yeah, well, so what we seem get- to get the point of view of is how the house feels about things because we get lots and lots of shots of the house reacting to things or the grounds reacting to things, i.e. not reacting to anything because they're inanimate objects, but we really like filming them anyway. Like, I don't feel anything apart from bored, annoyed, and occasionally wondering whether it's a big joke being played on me that I have to sit in the cinema for two hours watching this crap unfold on screen. Right. I hate this movie so much. Um, yes. I think there's obviously some problems there. Um, I, I got really, really bored as well. I just was like, is this, oh, are we there yet? Why am I watching another round of Mark and his tracksuit pants on the couch? I don't care. I just, I don't understand. I think though, like the real Mark is clearly a nut as well, right? Because, <laughs> because now we can talk about my favorite show note. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the show notes for this are almost better than the episode because then they're definitely better than the movie because Mark is who is has a producer credit on this along with Dave's widow is now all of us and he was involved with the movie he helped them write it he helped put the whole thing together he was on set he was fully part of it and as far as I know Channing Tatum has done a fairly accurate impression of him um yeah, but that's the thing. He's it is now, just an impression. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's an impression. It's not a yeah, performance, and it's not a. It's not. It doesn't have any kind of. You don't connect to him or have any feeling. You're just like you're a stupid spoiled brat because it, you get that's the idea you get from the start anyway. Is that he's a spoiled brat because he's he's basically only yes. gets anywhere with his wrestling because his his brother is around to help him. Um, yes, you never feel an actual connection between them. Like the only reason you like Dave is because he's always there for his brother, but he's always there for his brother in slightly creepy ways. Like his brother and couldn't operate without Dave. Like I know. He, it's, it's like he would have no wherewithal to get himself training or any, like there's no agency to the character, right? None. And, and the thing it's is, things like, happen to get, him. You only, there's never actually a sense of them connecting. Like there's never a sense of any reciprocation from Mark. So you don't even know how Dave's death affects affects Mark because you don't see it affect no, Mark all at all. you do is see him in some kind of like he's doing professional cage wrestling or something. Yeah, but like you don't – that's all you see. Yeah, it would be interesting to see him get upset over something mm. other than being smacked by his boss. Like, yeah. I just I, – I, uh, But, yeah, so coming sorry, back to Mark. Going back to Mark. Yeah, so he's now distancing himself from this film and – He's really, really mad at Bennett Miller. He's mad at him for a number of things. One of which is that the movie makes it look like he and his brother had a like a far more of a father son relationship than a brotherly relationship, and that's I think what we were just getting at is that it looks like Mark is so helpless he can't get anywhere on his own, uh, and and the real Mark is pissed off about that. But he's also really pissed off that um, that apparently they made it look like. So, all the homoerotic undertones in the relationship between him and DuPont. Anyway, he went on this fantastic rant on Twitter. And look, I think um, the real Mark is is not bright as movie Mark (laughs) because – Mate, and yeah, he's, but he's the angry. thing about that rant Everyone, was inter- that yeah. was interesting is that he tells a lot of what are probably verifiable facts. Mm. I was never there at this time. This thing didn't happen. I was over here. Dave was somewhere else. Um, all of this didn't happen in the same time period that we're watching, right? 
Now, when I was watching the movie, the only thing that I could give it was I was like, at least it must be realistic to what actually happened because it's so dull that it couldn't not be. Mm. If it weren't being realistic, they would make up something interesting. But it's not even true. They made up this boring shit. They made it up for the movie. Mm. They made up incredibly dull scene after incredibly dull scene. They brought Dave in to kind of give the audience someone to connect to when he wasn't there because otherwise we would have had nobody to connect to because they, the our two leads, Mark and DuPont, are so awful. It sounds like it's either genuinely not an actually interesting story at all about why John DuPont shot Dave or it's a story that we needed to have happen without Mark there or with him as a very minor supporting character and actually focus on the relationship between Dave and John DuPont and why they didn't get along rather than focusing on Mark with Dave as a secondary character and then John shooting Dave at the end because mm. it, there's no there's no intersection there. There's no connection between why, like, we don't understand why this happened. Why doesn't he shoot Mark? Why doesn't he shoot somebody else? Mm. Why does well, this shooting happen Mark this way? I thought for the first two-thirds of the movie, I knew somebody got murdered. I thought it was Mark for the first two-thirds of the movie. I, I thought was Mark like, was going to kill somebody else when you told me that there was a murder in it. No. I thought Mark was going to kill yeah, somebody I knew in, like, just- a Lenny from, what's it called? Um, you know, Lenny and Bruce? Oh, oh, um, uh, Steinbeck. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mice and Men. Yeah. So um, I thought it would be like a Lenny from of Mice oh, and Men sort of situation right. where like he wouldn't be able to cope. When, when DuPont slapped him, I thought Mark was going to kill DuPont. Yeah, no, I knew it was going <laughs> like, to. I, I, I knew, just didn't understand. For some, I knew it was about a murder and I knew DuPont. I, I mean, you, you just know that the crazy old rich guy is the murderer. But I thought he might have murdered his mother at one point. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, like, because that would have made sense. It would have made sense that he lured him in, that Mark was, you know, he he got Mark into some kind of quasi-relationship and then Mark didn't accept his benevolence and that's why he killed him. That would have made sense. That actually would have made – I know that's or not like, what happened. No, yeah, if John DuPont had been making creepy advances on him and made Mark really unhappy and then Mark shot him or something like that. Oh, no, For no, a while I, I thought that would DuPont happen. Definitely DuPont would have been the murderer. But there's a whole subtext in here about DuPont. I thought Mark was just going to flip and kill Like somebody. real DuPont. I thought paranoia and, and mental illness. Like it, there's some strong evidence to suggest that DuPont – was I think he was he, when he was charged with murder, he was described as mentally ill but not insane, meaning that he was still considered responsible for the murder, but he had some serious mental health issues. And I think from watching this video of Real DuPont earlier and, and a little bit from movie DuPont, you can sort of tell that there's something not quite right. He tries really, really hard to maintain control and maintain a facade, but then he can't help himself but go too far and just say something that's really creepy and weird. Yeah, so I know, there's this, something there as well. I felt like well. it wasn't built enough either. Mm-hmm. There's only like two moments that I can really point to and go, that's a moment where that was happening. Like, I think they were trying to say that when he let the horses go, that was a moment like that. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a very natural response to losing his mother. Like, I didn't think that that was a mentally ill response to losing no, his mother. That wasn't. No, I didn't think that was mentally ill at all. That was more of a, like, sa- sadness at, at losing this woman who'd been such an important figure in his life and he clearly wasn't a fan of the horses and all that. But that also was they fine. That represented her. Like, yeah, that no, was that something made, that, that a, made total sense a to mentally me. healthy person might yeah. do. No, no, that even was Even though fine. it was upsetting. The mental illness wasn't that. The mental illness was his turn on a dime stuff. Where but that's he, the thing is that it only happens like twice and even when it happens, it's so pared back. Like, the whole thing is so restrained that, like, it's really odd things. Like, he walks in very calmly to the wrestling room mm. <laughs> and shoots the roof. Yes, but oh it's my all God. very calm. 
and there's no kind of nobody reacts to it like it's weird. Yeah. And then the other thing is when he when he slaps Channing Tatum, but nobody really reacts to that like that's weird. Like we don't get any kind of there's we don't yeah, have anybody clearly, in the movie who acts like anybody in the audience would act at any point. So right, apart from the Sienna Miller in one scene, the characters have become so accustomed to his weirdness. And I guess maybe you're supposed to do that work yourself. You're supposed to say. Wow, they don't even react to that. They they must be so used to him behaving yeah, but like that's this. The problem is that we need a pro- we need somebody that we can relate to, right? We can't relate to Mark. We can't relate to Dupont. We can't really relate to Dave because he's not in it enough. And so, like the 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 audience, the uh, what is it? The Greek choir should be our person that we can relate right. to, right? So they should be. <gasps> oh, this why does that thing. happen? Why does something else happen? We- but they don't relate react to anything either. So we have no proxy in the movie to be reacting to anything like anybody in the audience reacting so it seems like it's kind of an alternate universe and you know that's what's really weird we never see anything from any of the other wrestlers there's all these other boys there who are obviously on the wrestling team we see them one like of them's really cute too yeah <laughs> we see them like after the slapping incident we see one of them go ooh, but Nothing. They barely talk. We may see them wrestle a couple of times, but they have absolutely no role other than to just sit there and watch. And no, occasionally we- they pump up John. Yeah. They, they pump him up. They're like, yay, John, you're the best, which is very weird. They do nothing. Again, like that really awkward, the, the wrestling after the, the gold scene where he's like wrestling everybody and they're all joking around and like letting him do it and he's all woohoo and like groping them. And you're like, I feel like people would be uncomfortable in that situation. They I'm would. uncomfortable watching well, that and happen. Clearly, um, and yet afterwards they're like, yay, but there's no kind of like, w- not even one person standing back and going, this is really weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, and having like any, just having been part of like groups of teenage girls or a sporting team, you know that when the weird old person does that, that afterwards they're bitching about him. Like, you know that afterwards they'd have gone, oh my God, did you see that? He's so weird. Oh my God, this place is weird. Like, there would have been something. Yeah, and we never get to see any of that. We're not let into anything real in this world, and so nothing feels real, so everything is very disconnected, and so Mm. how can we feel anything when Dave gets shot? How? Like, I mean, if they had built up Sienna Miller a bit more so that she could be our proxy, because she was pretty great. She would have been a good proxy. But she's in one scene before now. Mm. No, two, two that I can remember. She's barely in it, but like... I, I think she would have made a far better proxy because, firstly, because Dave is the closest the audience has to anyone they can connect to. And, and if secondly, we'd gotten to see a little bit more of Dave with his family, we would have connected with him even more because he seemed very nice yeah, with them. Yeah, and, and clearly like, – and the, the family were almost like used as a proxy for – you can tell he's normal because he actually has a life outside of wrestling, mm. whereas the other two – DuPont is just like – he has 10,000 nutty interests but no real friends – and Schultz, that friends scene was a very awkward scene as well. Yeah, um, no, it's he's he, like he was a weird, weird man. I, the I think there's like- there's probably a movie in his life. Like there's probably some kind of really interesting story in there about him and you know power and money and mental yeah. illness left untreated and delusions and entitlement but we need but to we see people got to yeah, yeah we need to see people who are looking at that and going that's not right and there's nobody yeah. in this movie who does that yeah, everybody kind of insinuates it but then he just falls into line there's nothing in this that 
that makes me feel like I could be part of the world that I'm watching. Mm. And people talk about, like, I, I've actually read some reviews of it because I, I genuinely can't understand how anybody could go to this movie, come out of it and go, that was good. Even though I heard people in our cinema oh, say know. it after we watched it. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't get it. And I read them and they were like, oh, it's so unsettling and it gets under your skin and all this sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it got under my skin because I hate it. Like, it was bad. It didn't get under my skin because I was thinking about all the ramifications or anything. It got under my skin because I was like, everybody is irritating and ba- and acting badly. They're acting badly in this movie. Mm. This isn't good. Like, if I want- wanted to show what a good performance is as opposed to what an over-the-top silly dumb performance is, I would show this against Nightcrawler and go, Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler, amazing performance, Steve Carell in Foxcatcher, live-action Gru, but creepier. Uh, despicable me. Oh, okay. Yes. Like, you and you kind of underline um I'm just making notes when we do that Oscar podcast we're doing later in the week with someone else. Um that you kind of underline the serious problem of Oscar acting nominations. They always go to the to something that's really obviously acting. They never they don't go for people who disappear into roles. They don't um there's you know that thing in um oh what's that movie? Uh Going the full R word, you know that that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Um, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Okay. So, so they never. If you don't, anyone who goes the full R word or um, fully disappears into a role, they're not. They don't win. It's people who look like they're acting. Yeah, and that's exactly why these are all up for awards. So they look like they're acting. And when we talk about Birdman yeah, it's later, acting with a capital A, yeah. not actually. When we, talk, acting. when we talk about Birdman later, Ed Norton's up for one as well, and he looks. You know, yeah, he's yeah. an excellent actor, but he is very obviously acting. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So th- that's yeah, and and the thing is, like, I I'm genuinely blown away by the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal did not get nominated because he was. By far the best performance I've seen this year. I mean, he made Lou Bloom, whose name I still remember, by the way, mm. super creepy, using all these skills that he already had and like mm. m- turning them against himself. And it's just such a clever performance, but it's one that like builds slowly and is so convincing and so unsettling. That's unsettling. That's mm. an unsettling movie. Foxcatcher is an, an irritating movie. It's not unsettling in the sort of, oh, I'm thinking about that for days. It's irritating in the, God, I really wish I could punch Bennett Miller's face in kind of way. Yeah, for me, it's not that irritating, but for me, it committed the greatest sin of all of being boring. It just, it was like, oh my God, we're only half an hour in. Oh my God, we're only 45 minutes in. Oh my God, we're an hour in. Oh my God, when is this going to end? I just didn't even bother to look at the time because I was like... I'm in hell. I'm in hell. This is never going to end. This movie is going to go forever. I'm in hell. Kind well, of. I a was thing. like, and I had to eventually. In, I've got cheesecake to look forward to. We're an hour yes. in. My cheesecake is here. When okay, the, good. I'm going to make this cheesecake last as long as I can. Because we watched it in premium. When the dessert came, I was like, I turned to Melissa and I was like, we're halfway through. That means it's almost over, right? <laughs> And I was like, no, it went must forever. Make, must make this cheesecake last as long as I can, so I've got something to enjoy in the second half of the went movie. Forever after that, and after the movie was finished, uh, also I turned to you and I said, "That's the worst movie I've seen in over a year." And you said you watched Birdemic, and I was like, "I love Birdemic. I love Birdemic because Birdemic is awful but fun to watch." I watched Xanadu this week. Awful, really fun to watch. Right. Foxcatcher is so bad that there's nothing in it that I can enjoy at 
all. There's not one thing. There's no music to listen to that's pretty. The shots that are pretty last for so long that I don't care about them anymore. There's nothing, not one thing in this that I can recommend to anybody, which is why I'm giving it zero stars. Um, I'm not giving it zero, but I'm probably just giving it one because I, I will kind of allow it as a bit of a hipster indulgence kind of thing. I think it, it, you know, it doesn't work. The story is not well put together. I, I don't. I don't really fault how it looks. I think it. Um, it kind of looks almost right. It's kind of bleak looking, and it also kind of captures the <laughs> boringness of the late eighties. And like, see, I would almost agree with you on the way it looks, except that they hold it for too long, and that just like destroys any goodwill that I have toward it. You know, like I'm like, oh, that's an interesting shot. But then that shot's still going 30 seconds later and I'm like, it's not interesting anymore. So, yeah, that those yeah, points uh, also gone. I no points. You Zero probably, points to this. Like, you could probably edit an interesting story out of it. Uh, and if you – It would last three minutes. Yeah, well, maybe 20. Um, but you could probably edit something interesting out of it or you could, you know, actually expand on the story, maybe get a few more perspectives because clearly they've worked from – Mark's perspective and maybe a little bit from Sienna Miller's character's perspective. And that's it. They there's no they haven't really researched it. I think they kind of rely on they've got this beautiful location and and helicopters and things to kind of make you feel angry about the excessive wealth that this man has and the power that he has and that he's not using in an in, in a useful way. Or- see, I didn't feel that because I was just like, oh, it's pretty. I oh, see. I was <laughs> so like, don't shoot it so beautifully if you want it to be. You know what I mean? Like, uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, if you cut out all of the awkward pauses in this movie, it would be twenty minutes long. Mm. If you cut out just the awkward pauses. It would be half the length it is, you know, like it, it, the whole, all conversations are like, hey, hey, how's it going? Yeah, Good. they're like real conversations. They're like, re- that. that's the problem. It's too realistic. Like there's too, real life is full of boring moments and really annoying conversations where he's like, hi, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, how are you? Like, you know, stupid things that people do. And we do it, we all do it, and it's really boring. And every week when I edit the podcast, I'm like, oh, my God, Melissa, this is so boring. You know, there's all – there's humans do that. Humans do really boring, awkward pauses. But it's almost like there's – it's – when you have it in a movie, it – like, it's too much. Well, it, and there's yeah. so much of it, like God, but sitting on not, his couch it's playing so video unnecessary. game. We're going to the movie to to watch a movie, not to have our real life reflected back to and us in ten times more awkward ways because everybody is doing these weird impressions of somebody that they're not. Yeah, and here's the, here's the sad bit: this is a story, a true story that involves. Olympics, it involves sport, it involves a murder, it involves an eccentric wealthy man from a well-known family. It involves, you know, there's there's all kinds of interesting, particularly American questions around, because DuPont, um, the, the DuPont family was founded on a gunpowder business, right? Yeah, so they're patriots and ornithologists. Yeah, and they're w- well-known, um, yeah, also, but they're also like well-known Republicans. And- I also remember that because, like, because of the nose, and I was Philatelist. like, "Are you sure you're not at least part bird?" <laughs> um, yeah, but, but the bird also John Dupont's real nose doesn't look anything like Steve Carell's nose in this. No, movie. I don't understand why they need to put a fake nose on him. Like the, John Dupont had a quite normal-looking face. Like I get that they made needed to make his hair white or whatever, but no, he uh, had a bigger nose. You could make it a bit bigger, but in this, it's it's a 
comically large nose. Yeah, the prosthetic is distracting. <laughs> it's but- comical. It's funny. This movie could be edited into a comedy really easily. Yeah. You know, like just one of those, uh, one of those awkward, awkward comedies that I don't that enjoy hate. watching. <laughs> but but like I actually thought this movie might be aiming for a couple of times. Maybe. Like, there's, there's that scene right at the beginning where Channing Tatum's giving the speech and he's like holds up the Olympic medal oh and shows it and he's like, oh I won God. this the for whole America. At the, and you're like, oh are my you God. serious? You've reminded me. The whole speech at the school and then afterwards this is big awkward is it Dave or David? Went to this woman writing out this check for him. Like, ah, oh, God. Why did they force us to watch that? Oh, why? It's so awful. Is it just to make us feel bad for him? Because I feel bad for him, but not in like a sympathy, mm. empathy way, in like a you poor deluded man child way. Like, <laughs> yes. I don't feel oh. bad. I don't feel anything for these characters. This movie so much. This is what I did. This is what I did when I was watching the movie. I did the laugh cry thing where I was like, I don't know what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Let's. uh, Uh, Yeah, it's fine. Wrap it up. Okay, so, so you've given it zero stars and I've given it one just to recap. Yeah. Um, if you uh, want to tweet at us, you can tweet at us on Twitter at screen underscore queens. You can like our Facebook page by finding Silver Screen Queens on Facebook. Um, you can go to our website to read our show notes where you can read the hilarious rant that Mark Schultz went on, um, which is www.silverscreenqueens.com. Um, if you want to read my review of Foxcatcher, <laughs> which is fairly similar to this podcast in that I, I really, really rag on it a lot. Um, um, except that you also compare Mark Ruffalo's performance to a Thermion. Yes. And once you've seen that, you can't unsee it. Um, the, the aliens from Galaxy Quest, yeah. Um, I didn't write the live action Gru thing in there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure people will get that one. Um, so yeah, if you want to read it, you can go to, uh, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Oh, and we also have a Tumblr. The Tumblr will be lots of fun for this one. I'm sure <laughs> that we will just reblog lots of shirtless pictures of Mark Ruffalo and Channing Tatum and ignore the fact that the movie came out completely completely. So um, come and find us on Tumblr, which is tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.